today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. That which has the majority of our time and attention and affection and devotion, that's idolatry. That's putting something or someone in the place of Jesus and removing him from his rightful place. That's idolatry. I'll I'll just let the Holy Spirit fill in that blank. What is the master passion of your life? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Idolatry may sound like a sin that isn't relevant today, but the truth is that the heart of man is an idol factory. Do you have anything in your life right now that you're putting before God? In today's message, Pastor J.D. will show you that idols only lead to death and never satisfy the longing heart as Jesus does. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 16 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. If you don't do that, it will kill you. It will hurt you. Don't you want, with your children, anything that would pose harm to them or hurt them? Wouldn't you want to remove it from them? Verse 11, then you shall say to them. Now this is the Lord's response through the prophet Jeremiah to their questions. Can you ask, what what is your iniquity? Why is it that you have brought this against us? This is the, this is the answer. Then you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me, says the Lord. They have walked after other gods and have served them and worshipped them and have forsaken me and not kept my law. And you have done worse than your fathers. What they did was bad, but what you're doing is even worse. For behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart so that no one listens to me. Two things real quick. Following your heart? Well, Jeremiah, well, God through the prophet Jeremiah is going to remind us, a much needed reminder, that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. (laughs) So if I'm going to follow my heart, I'm going to be deceived. I'm going to be led astray. No, I'm not going to follow the dictates of my own evil heart, deceitful heart. I'm going to follow the Lord. Because what I found in my walk with the Lord is that oftentimes my heart is on the opposite end of the table. And if I follow it, it will mean not following the Lord and vice versa. Here's a second thing. Well, I don't really hear God speaking to me. Oh, He's speaking. God is always speaking. That's not the question. That's the wrong question. For the wrong question, there is no right answer. You have to get the question right before you can get the answer right. 
The right question to ask is, no, God is always speaking. The question is, am I listening? Because we just read here that they weren't listening. I was talking. I I was showing them. I was going to great lengths to speak to them, to reveal myself to them, but they would have nothing to do with it. They would not listen to me. They would stop their ears, dull of hearing. They wouldn't hear it. Therefore, verse 13, I will cast you out of this land into a land that you do not know, neither you nor your fathers, and there you shall serve other gods day and night where I will not show you favor. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. See, that was the, the great saying of the day, if I can say it that way. The Lord who brought us up out of Egypt. No, they're not going to say that anymore. That's old news. Instead, verse 15, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north, speaking of Babylon, and from all the lands where he had driven them. Wait a minute. That gives me hope. Well, it should. Because he says, for I will bring them back into their land, which I gave to their fathers. Wait a minute. Lord, sounds to me like you don't want to have to do this. And we certainly don't want you to have to do this. So why don't we just spare both of us the misery of having to be taken captive (laughs) by the Babylonians. Oh, I wish I could, but I can't. Why not, Lord? Why is it that you can't let this cup of suffering pass from us, this captivity by the Babylonians that will apparently rise to the level of replacing the saying of the Lord God who delivered us from the land of Egypt? They won't say that anymore. They'll start saying the Lord God who delivered us from the Babylonian captivity. That's kind of big. So, (laughs) well, you're going to bring us back to the land. Yes, I am. Well, why do we have to go through all that? Because, please don't miss this, it's very important. If God would have answered their prayer and spared them of this fate, this captivity by the Babylonians, they would have continued in their idolatry. And they were fully given over to idolatry. And God is saying, listen, you like idols. Okay, guess what? I'm going to send you to the idol capital of the world. And you will have your fill of idols until like the quail in your forefathers' nostrils, when they were complaining they wanted meat to eat. And I gave meat to eat. I don't think they wanted meat to eat anymore after that, because they got their fill. 
and they ended up dying because of it. You want meat? You oh, you're kind of over my manna, kind of over it, kind of bored with it, kind of like you, you, you want flesh, you want meat to eat. My manna's not good enough, which is a rejection of the Lord Himself, because manna in typology is a type of Jesus Christ, by the way. And they were rejecting the manna. And so God's like, okay. See, the, the Israelites, Judah, had rejected God and had given themselves over to these idols. And God, again, will never force Himself on us. We, we make those decisions, those choices in our lives. We reject the Lord. We don't listen to the Lord. And we start following after these idols. And by the way, before you just dismiss idolatry as something back then, think again. Idolatry is alive and well today, and it comes in many forms. Oh, it's just wrapped in different wrapping paper. Uh, The names have been changed to protect the guilty, but it's still idolatry. What is idolatry? Anything that beseats Jesus on the throne of our lives. That which has the majority of our time and attention and affection and devotion. That's idolatry. That's putting something or someone in the place of Jesus and removing Him from His rightful place. That's idolatry. I'll I'll just let the Holy Spirit fill in that blank. What is the master passion of your life? What is it that you think about the most? What is it that you spend the most time on? What is it that you spend the most money on? Again, I I love Larry Burkett. He said, you can tell, it's it's a, a spiritual barometer is how a Christian spends their money. It tells you a lot about them. Uh, if I'm given over to idolatry, you can just look at my, of course this is antiquated, but I have to update my uh, illustration here. The checkbook register, I know nobody uses those anymore, but just look at the, the checkbook register. Oh, I see. I see where the priorities are. That's idolatry. Anything that has our affection, our devotion, and our attention that which we give ourselves to. And so God's like, listen, I'm not going to compete. You're just going to, you can learn the easy way or the hard way. I don't know what it is. I'll speak for myself. I have to learn the hard way. I have the scars to prove it. Would you like to see them? (laughs) I'm not going to show them to you. There's too many to show. We'd be here all night. I have to learn the hard way. And this is essentially what's going to happen now. They're going to be taken captive to Babylon, by the Babylonians, who are, I mean, when I say, I don't even think you can adequately describe it, idolatry capital of the world, you're going to get your fill of idolatry, and you're going to puke. It's going to make you sick. You're going to not want to have anything to do with idols ever again. And by the way, it works. It works. 
after the Babylonian captivity, you're hard-pressed to find idolatry being the issue in the life of Israel in their history. It worked. Be very careful. I know we talked about Romans 1, because it's not that God gives up on us, but God will just take His hands and give us over to that which we've already made up our minds to pursue. And God's not going to, again, force us. He's going to, it's like, it looks like you've already made up your mind. You've already made your choice. So, okay, I'm going to give you over. You, you, you want to worship the idols? I'll give you over to the idolatry. But you're going to get your fill. And once you've learned your lesson the hard way, uh, I'm going to bring you back to the land. You are? Yeah. Not because of you, because of me. See, I have a covenant with you. I made a covenant, and I can't go back on it. So don't think that it has anything to do with you. I love you. I have a covenant with you. And just real quick here, this speaks to a very important truth And we talk about it on occasion in our prophecy updates. God is not through with the Jew. And we don't want Him to. Because God has a covenant with me and you too. I know that's not proper English structure. Don't email me. He has an everlasting covenant. And if He's through with the Jew, then how secure are you? Because he has a covenant with me and you too. No, he he made a covenant. He will bring them back to the land because he cannot go back on his word. Verse 16, Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. And afterward I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill, and out of the holes of the rocks. For my eyes, verse 17, are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. And verse 18, first, now hang on to this. I will repay double for their iniquity and their sin. Well, that doesn't sound very fair. Hang on. Because they have defiled my land. They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable and abominable idols. So wait a minute. So where's the justice and the fairness in that? You mean you're going to repay us double? This carries with it the idea of I'm going to repay you exactly what you deserve because of what you did. Because what you did was worse than what your forefathers did. And not only that, but you know better. This can be carried over and comport with what we just learned and studied in James about teachers being held to a higher standard, judged more strictly. Why? Because they know better. So that's why. God, you, can, you don't have to dismantle the justice of God 
to reconcile this repaying double for their iniquity. It was deserved. Now I love Jeremiah here in verse 19, and if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you're really getting to know Jeremiah, and you're falling in love with Jeremiah, and you're really feeling the tenderness of this weeping prophet. Listen to this cry, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. Listen, Jeremiah's going through this too. And in some ways, talk about repaid double. It's a double whammy for him because he loves the the people. These are his people. And they're rejecting him. They're rejecting the Lord. And he's already a sensitive man with a soft heart. And he's hurt so deeply. Remember, his own family hatched a plot to kill him. His own family. How hurtful is that? He's hurting. He's struggling. And he cries out to the Lord and he says, Oh Lord, you're my strength. You're the only way. You strengthening me is the only way I'm going to get through this. You're my fortress. This is the the protection, the, the, the wall that is built around this fortress, fortified fortress around me, encamped round about me to protect me. And you're my refuge in the day of affliction. The day of affliction? Do you have affliction? Day of affliction? How about weeks of affliction? Well, you have the affliction, but he's your refuge. Now listen to what he says next. The Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness, and unprofitable things. Will a man, verse 20, make gods for himself which are not gods? Wait a minute, this is kind of, how did we get from what we just read to this? Oh, Jeremiah is seeing into the future. God has given him prophetically a vision of what's to come. I'm going to restore the people. I'm going to return the people to my land, the land I gave them. But in the millennium, All of this is working towards my intended end. And this is how the chapter is going to end. Verse 21, therefore, behold, this is the Lord now. I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Ah, that's what this is about? Yeah. You know, it almost seems like the chapter is ending sort of the same way it began, in the sense that this protection from the greater trial worked for the greater good and the greater glory in the end. This is who God is, and 
why God is good. Because in the end, I'm going to work all of this out. It's going to have a glorious end. And, you know, we talk a lot about Ezekiel 38, which is absolutely in play today. But when you get to the end of that prophecy, very well-known prophecy in Ezekiel 38, you get to the end of that, and the Lord declares this. He says, I'm doing all of this. I'm allowing all of this so that they will know that I, sorry, I'm yelling. That's the emphasis. There will be no question. They will know that I am the Lord their God. All the nations will know. There will be no more questions. Oh, this is the Lord God. Okay, now we're good. And that's what's going to happen. Oh, by the way, the Gentiles, they're going to come too. And they're all going to declare and know that it was the hand of the Lord, the might of the Lord, the name of the Lord, and that it is the Lord their God. There will be no question. And that's the good that's going to come out of all of this. God will allow it. God will allow it. But He's in absolute control of it. Let me close this way. We've seen an uptick in prayer requests from people that are just going through some very, very difficult things. And it's really heartbreaking, some of the trials that people are in the midst of. But you know what comes out of that is this knowledge of the Lord that could have never otherwise been known. And isn't it true that when you go through these trials in life, I mean, God may be protecting you. I know God has allowed me to see in retrospect many times where that trial was to protect me from a much greater trial. And I'm thanking God all the time. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that trial. I'll take a storm any day of the week. I I don't care. to protect me from that which would have destroyed me. Thank you, God. Uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh, we don't know what it is, by design, by the way. We've talked about that. God allowed that trial, that tormenting messenger from Satan that tormented him, God allowed that to protect the Apostle Paul from the greater trial of being full of himself, exalted exceedingly and becoming proud because of what happened 14 years earlier, which he never even spoke about until that time. He sent him that trial to protect him from the greater trial, because that greater trial would have destroyed him. It would have led to his destruction, probably before the fall. And God's protecting you. Thank God for that trial. That, that trial is a blessing and a protection from something unthinkable in your life. But here's the thing, and we just ended the chapter with it, and I'll close with this. People who go through unbelievable pain and suffering and trials and difficulty and hardship, they taste from a cup that few do. 
And they know the Lord more intimately than most will ever know the Lord. Because He's close to the brokenhearted. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you're enjoying these teachings in the book of Jeremiah, we encourage you to continue following through this series with us and to read on your own, too. God may reveal some things to you that you'll find interesting. In Spirit and Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. He also gives prophecy updates weekly that touch on the things happening right now. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you'd like to access any of these things on our mobile app, you can do that too. Go to the Resources tab on our website. You can download from there. That's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Jeremiah. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. But until then, be thinking about what you heard today, what it meant for the people then, and what it means for you today in the here and now. Come learn what's coming up next here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth 